When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame. No more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Welcome oh. to this episode. Uh, episode, the first episode of... Episode well, 497. Yeah, it feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. A new series and... Um, yeah, we've got some exciting guests lined up. But today we have... Most exciting of all. BR. BR. Also known as Becky Ryan. And um, Becky is one of our friends and she is one of our Facebook group moderators. And um, we are... I can't believe that we've never had you on here before, but we're very excited to chat yeah, to you. Yeah, we have. That's a lie. I've, this is my second appearance. Yeah. Oh, we did the, 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 the Pathway to Recovery one, didn't yeah. we? Clearly mm. memorable. Yes, but this is all about you. Oh, it's good. Oh, excellent. It's all about about you. It's all about you, Becky. Classic. Yeah, okay. Well, can you I say you're not that? sharing the spotlight, but you, you will have to share the spotlight because you know what Bex is like with her metaphors and... I don't know what you're talking about. But as we all know, Bex and I are the same person, so really it's fine. Basically, I'm surprised you're not wearing matching outfits today, I have to say. I'm wearing... Do you want to see my trousers? Okay. I mean, great podcast content, but are they all cool? Wow. Oh, oh, I do like these. Should I take a picture so that everyone can see these? Yeah, do. They're they're trousers. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I bought them for for 10 euros at a Spanish market. Best 10 euros I've ever spent. Mm. I was going to say, where did you get them from? But that doesn't help, does it? No. no, sorry. You can't have these ones unless you go to Spain. They're not from Primani or somewhere accessible no. from a Spanish no. market. Damn. Well, I mean, anyway, what do you want to talk about, Becky Ryan? Where do you want to begin? Where do you want to begin? Start at the very beginning. Oh, that's a long time very ago good now. Place to start. Okay. So, Becky, you, you are, I want to say queen of the shit show. But that that feels like a really harsh way to introduce you. But, I mean, you've been through through so much shit and continue to go through so much shit, don't you? Yeah, I suppose I'll try and remember to start at the beginning and how it all began. So my husband and I have been trying to conceive since 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that time, we've had five losses. Mm -hmm. Um the last one of which was literally like 
two years ago to the day almost, um, which I hadn't even appreciated until a Facebook memory came up of us being at a wedding. And it was that wedding that I'd found out that I was pregnant for the mm-hmm. fifth time. Um, I'm thinking, because we'd, we'd not conceived for about a year by that point and thinking, oh, this is it. Um, and it wasn't it. Um, and yeah, that, that was two years ago now. So over the, the space of the last, what, four and a half years, um, since we started trying to conceive five losses. Yeah. All very mm-hmm. early, all super early. I've never made it past six, seven weeks of pregnancy. And so talk us through what's happened since that. That was two years ago. So what's happened since yeah. that? A whole load. That last that last loss kind of changed quite a lot of things for me. Um, so when I'd been in for the scan, for that kind of EPU scan that they'd given me from finding out that I was pregnant and we found out that it was another loss and another miscarriage, um, someone said to me, someone said, oh, well, you've got this chocolate cyst on one of your ovaries. And I just went, mm, okay, I didn't really think much of it. Um and they're like, we'll come back in two weeks and we'll just check, you know, everything's gone and everything's progressed as it, it should have done. Um, and we'll keep an eye on that cyst sort of thing. Um, but by that point, I had started doing a little bit of work with Rachel Sheriff. Um, good old Rachel. Um, yeah, and I'd sent her across my scan results and she said, oh, so you've got endometriosis then. And I said, what? I've got endo. And she said, yeah, that's what this chocolate cyst is on your ovary. It's, a, it's an indicator. It's an endometrioma. It's an endometriosis cyst. And hang on. The people who had done this scan didn't didn't mention that. No. And I've had this cyst for quite a while. Mm. Um, What's his name? Uh, Cyril. Cyril, yeah. I've forgotten about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, well remembered. Um, and it took someone... Out completely outside of the healthcare system in that sense to actually just tell me forthright that that's what the situation was and that actually I've got a little bit of endometrius somewhere um, on a cyst, on, a, on an ovary, sorry, and that maybe we should start looking at what the implications of that might be for my fertility and the chances of a successful pregnancy. Um and so from there, see, it's all so long ago and I kind of lose what's happened and where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, from there and done kind of Rachel's advice um, and doing a little bit more work from Rachel, I actually ended up thinking about going down the private route of having something done with good old Cyril. Um, but that took a lot of time um, because I was still partly under NHS care as well. Um, and they'd got me in for some repeat scans and some uh, repeat ultrasounds for the cyst to see if it was growing or what it was doing. Um, and I had that, I had a scan in the, so there's September of the 2021 when we had our last loss. And then they followed up with another one in the March of 2022, uh, just before my birthday, which is always a real treat to have mm. a Pro stuck up you for your birthday. Um, Happy birthday! <laughs> um, and I had that scan March twenty twenty two, and didn't hear anything back from it at all. And the July rolls around, and it's a phone call from the hospital with my results from the scan. And she said, "Well, in the 
from the September to the March, in September, it was measuring something like three centimetres. But mm. by the March, it was measuring just under six. Um, and anything over six centimetres takes it over the threshold of actually needing to have something done about it. Okay. And because of the type of cyst it is, chocolate-filled cyst, essentially what happens is it grows with your period because it, it essentially fills with old blood. Um and I couldn't believe that it had taken them that long mm-hmm. to actually give me the results from the scan. And I literally yeah. said, well, what? Also, how big was it then in July? In G- God knows. I've not had, yeah. I then didn't have a scan again for maybe about six months. Um, and she rang, the doctor rang me in the July and she told me, and I said, well, what are my options now then? Because I don't want to leave it if I don't, if it needs to have something taken out or is there anything she said well your options are um essentially that you go on the pill for three months and stop it growing well we were still thinking about trying to conceive and i wasn't really prepared to go on the pill for three months just how would that help because it's that sort of that it would be the pill that stopped my period so it would stop it then filling up with the blood if that makes sense um but knowing what i know now about having been on the pill for so long I was I was really reticent to, to go on it. I just didn't I didn't want to do it. Um, and I said, "Well, fine, leave it. Discharge me from your care. I'm going to look at going privately." Um, which is then what we did. Um, and I went privately to a consultant in Leeds, who's an endo guy, and who was great. He was fantastic. Um, and we went for our consultation, and he sent me for an MRI, which was the start of this year. And although I've only got endometriosis in this one place on my on my left side ovary, it's really quite severe. Um, the cyst is still there and obviously still quite large. Um, but there's quite a lot of scarring between my ovary and my uterus wall. Um, and it essentially is like a cyst inside a cyst at this point with a shit ton of scarring um on my uterus wall and i think i've had cysts on that side before because i felt them rupture which is horrendous it's horrendous pain and it's i almost felt like a pop the last time one i felt one go it, i just knew exactly what it was um so we think that the previous cysts popping and bursting and then healing themselves is what's caused this scarring between my mm. left over and my uterus um and he just turned around and said to me, it's a it's a relatively complicated piece of surgery. Um, they would drain it, essentially, and try and fix some of my scarring. But if anything went wrong, um, he would probably have to take my ovary out. Um, and by that point, John and I had made a decision at the back end of last year, really, that we were going to get ourselves on the IVF waiting list, um, on the NHS IVF waiting list. And he just said... I think IVF is your priority. Um, I'm going to refer you back to the endometriosis care under the NHS. And if they get to you before the NH- uh, the IVF clinic does, they'll just be able to defer you. They'll understand. They'll just defer your referral. Um, and, and that's where we are. That was January, February of this year. And it's now September and <laughs> we're still waiting for any- <laughs> anything. You're on the waiting list. Yeah. And has anything been done? No. So um, when we put the referral through, um, 
my GP had put through on the notes that I obviously there's the cyst on my scans and she'd put that I was having that taken care of privately um, when my referral went through. Um, and I realised maybe over the spring that I should maybe update the IVF clinic and just say it's on my referral. Um, but because of this, I'm not having that, that surgery anymore. So can you update my record sort of thing? And the receptionist, who was really lovely, emailed me straight back and said, that's fine. I've updated everything for you. Um, just so you know, our current waiting lists are 48 weeks. Um, and by this point, you've been waiting 29 weeks and three days, which is very precise of her. Um, and oh. that was kind of what we were anticipating anyway. We knew it was about a, a year for the IVF clinic on the and the waiting lists at the moment. And that takes us to kind of early November, mid-November, I think. Um, so are you not prioritised, would you not be prioritised for IVF because you have um, other like problems, like recurrent miscarriage? You don't get priority? No. no. Time thing, is it? Who's it's been a, t- a time thing. Or? And I think it, as is the same with female healthcare and IVF clinics, it's a postcode lottery. It's a postcode lottery. Apparently it's not operates. that long away everywhere, is it? No, it's not. And I've had a couple of friends that have had IVF through the the same clinic, and they said once there's once you're in the system and you've been seen the mm. first time you've had your consultation, they move very quickly. Yeah. And one of my friends, she had IVF because she'd had breast cancer in her early thirties, um, and because of the treatment of that, couldn't conceive. Um, and she said that she was in for a blood tests and scans like two days after a last mammogram after finishing treatment. Um, so they, as a clinic, they move super quickly. It's just waiting to start start moving. Yeah. And that waiting is so hard when it's something you want so much, isn't it? So how have you dealt with that? How have you dealt with knowing that you have this huge long space of presumably you haven't been trying naturally? Sort of and sort of not. Um, we because when we put in, in our referral we knew that it was going to be about a year um and actually knowing that has taken just such a huge weight off like we've talked about it a lot but i feel like i'm in such a better headspace now probably because i know that we're, we've had to wait and that really our only option we think is probably ivf um so just taking all of that pressure away has just meant it, it's been so nice because it's been since 2019 that we've been trying to have a child. That's been like four and a half years of just mm. constant shit and worry and loss and grief and the whole yeah. vicious cycle. So to have had that taken away completely has been it's really refreshing. With, you haven't got to deal with the constant living fortnight to fortnight. and no. You know, symptom spotting, guessing. Um, no, none of that. Although that. you say that, like, I say that we've been trying, we've not been trying, we've not been stopping. So that, like, stopping trying to conceive, we've not been preventing. So there's there's still an element of that. Everything, a, little I mean, bit of hope. Become, a little bit of hope because you just like, more maybe. Well, you, you hear know. those stories all the you time, don't yeah, you? Oh, they fell pregnant months before they started IVF. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. No, so anytime now, surely. Uh, um, so there's always still that in the back of my mind. I think a little bit. 
but overall this year we just we just needed this year we really mm. needed this year um and i've got um a relative who she she says that well why don't because we would pay for a round of ivf we only get one free round in kirklees um and we we would be prepared to pay for around maybe two. Um, she said, "Well, why don't you just go straight to private?" Well, hey, I want what I'm entitled to for free. Thanks very much. I'm a Yorkshire woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and B, I, I wasn't ready. I mm. really wasn't ready to just dive straight into it. And I want to go into it knowing that we're in a healthiest place as possible. Whether that's our relationship, whether that's physical health, mental health. So that if it doesn't work, mm-hmm. then I know we did everything that we could. Um, yeah, you've given it yeah. your best shot. No regrets. Kind of no thing. regrets. Yeah, exactly. Not just sat there going, oh, maybe if I'd just done this or maybe if I'd not had that Mars bar the other week or, or whatever. Yeah. And get myself into that headspace as well of not beating myself up and not being perfect about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Becky, I spoke to you. Oh, I can't even remember, maybe a year ago, maybe more, um, about, and you were sort of beginning to entertain the idea of a life without a child. Yeah, that must have been when we were in that sort of, Yes, which was just over a year ago, yeah. right? A year ago last week, in fact. Yeah. So talk us through, like, how you came to, because I remember the way you explained it to me is that you were so shut off from the idea of not becoming a mum mm-hmm. or not baby home that you would actually started to allow almost light from the the possibility of living a free life into didn't feel as terrifying as you anticipated no No. and that's probably grown even more so in the last year because that's just how we've been living our lives so up until this kind of year we've been going oh well what if what if what if and we'd kind of decided in 2020 that we were going to have a we'd have two losses by 2020 we kind of decided 2020 that we were going to have a bit of a massive bucket year and and book stuff and not not worry about what if and the cost and just enjoy things and and do things that we wanted to do and then oh look what happened <laughs> we couldn't mm. do anything um yeah it's covid <laughs> yeah really. um so we've kind of not not quite a massive bucket here um i mean we have bought a van and we are converting everything to a counter van so maybe a little bit of a, a sodding here um but it we we were quite opposed in what we wanted if we couldn't have children naturally or biologically together um and i had always said if i couldn't have children I would adopt and my husband is just not not for that at all he just he couldn't he couldn't get his mind around it and he said well would we consider surrogacy um and I said for me I think I would just find that really too difficult because maybe 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 personality but watching somebody else do the thing that I couldn't do but yet we still get a baby out of it at the end just a cat I can't quite get my head around it and knowing me and knowing what I'm like being able to deal with that particularly well. Um, it's, um, I, it's, I think with that sort of thing, it's, it's incredible and amazing that all yeah. those are available, but they're not for everyone, are they're they? Not, they? And they, yeah. Yeah. And it just, we I, I can remember being exactly where we were when we had this conversation. We seem to do all of our big talks or when we're talking, taking our dog for a walk and we're in this field near our mm. house and we were talking about something. Um, 
and I, I just said, well, actually, I think I agree with you on adoption now. Um, and we kind of had started to get to that point of being like, well, maybe this, this won't happen for us. And what do we do? And we've got a very clear plan in the sense of if IVF doesn't work and we don't have a successful pregnancy, that we will discuss all options, so adoption, surrogacy, whatever, in front of us at that point but at the moment we're quite aligned on, on what our next steps would be and that would be to be a childless family um and we we i'm not naive enough and we're not naive enough to know that that to think that that is going to be an easy thing when that if when if that rolls around um but but we know what we will do at that point in terms of discussing it, but also making sure that we get the help and the support that we need together and individually as well, because um, it, it's a lot. So, the warriorship, we wanted to come and tell you a little bit about it, didn't we, Bex? And in case you're already going, why? We don't want to know about a fucking ship. The Warriorship is our online membership for warriors in this community. It's packed full of stuff. So we just want to tell you about some of the stuff. All of the content from all of the courses that we ever run is in the Warriorship. So there's loads to get your teeth into. And we are also developing modules for what happens after. But not only that, we've also got a ton of educational workshops running once a month in the coming months we have got body positivity workshop gratitude workshop and loads 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 more and on top of that we also have a resident mental health specialist and on top of that if if that wasn't enough there's 13 events every month and there's stuff popping up all the time as well that other people are organizing that you can be a part of so it really is thriving and all you have to do is head to the link in our bio or visit our website and you can be a part of this too we'd love to see you there it's good that you're having those conversations as well i think lots of lots of couples struggle to have those conversations Mm -hmm. and they're so set in no this is what we're doing we're going to keep trying keep going keep going keep going keep going and that's just as hard that's just that's just exhausting yeah. I think it's sort of the weight's lifted a little bit if you have a bit of a plan yeah and mm. I, I like I like having a plan as well I'm very mm. organized you'll do <laughs> I think as well like it's quite a terrifying prospect to entertain even entertain the idea of something that of not having something that you have wanted for as long as you can remember. Mm-hmm. Almost, I remember the way you explained it to me, Becky, was like that was looming over you in the, in the sort of on the sidelines, mm. that idea of not, not bringing a baby home, that mm. idea of being a child, childless, not by choice couple. Mm. So looming over you that actually you open this tiny little door to it. And instead of like engulfing you in, in terror, mm-hmm. you let almost let a little bit of that idea in at a time. And it yeah. wasn't terrifying as what you thought it would be no and it's really bizarre like I see all the advantages now sometimes um and I think like I just I've started following like a few women and communities on on Instagram and things of um there's one particular woman um and she posted like a you know like a Facebook reminder the other day um and it was something along the lines of her and her husband had gone out to the park and there was this child screaming bloody murder and her and her husband just like 
smiled at each other and kind of along the thoughts of thank god that's not us <laughs> sort of thing and I, I i can empathize with that slightly and i i try to frame it in the sense of seeing the positives rather than seeing the negative so we get to be able to do this or it's more easy for us to do this like sorry for my slight issue of food poisoning yesterday i didn't i got home and I just go straight into bed. I didn't need, other than dealing with the the child that is the dog, didn't need to do anything. So I have the privilege of being able to be ill without then needing to worry about being able to care for others. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's um, great you can see the positive, but how does it feel when other people try to point out the positives to you? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> well, that doesn't go down well. <laughs> no. <laughs> does it? Um, and there's something, because it, it's obviously world childless, child-free week. I can't remember yeah. the terminology this week um, and the culmination of it today, I think, maybe. Um, and I've seen a lot of posts of Fuller Jodie Day on LinkedIn and um it, it, there's a talk tonight of something along the lines of um are, aren't you lucky that you don't get to do this or aren't you lucky that you don't have kids and I was like what would I do if someone said that to me and knowing me and knowing what I'm like I would probably turn around and say oh yes it is lucky that I've had five miscarriages and now can't have children thank you yes <laughs> ta very much mm. um and it and again, I was thinking about this this morning, taking Bodhi out for a walk. Like, obviously, with it being the ugly feelings masterclass last night, I'm thinking, I, I really, I rarely have those feelings that much anymore. But that's when they strike and they come out of completely out of nowhere, and they feel even more vicious. When other than when you're really in it and it's just all the time and it's new and it's fresh, but when they do come out of somewhere, which completely for be for whatever reason, God, they're horrible. <laughs> like they feel even more so than maybe they they would before. Sorry if someone's asking me or says to you, well, at least it's again, it's at least you get to do this, or at least you don't have to worry about that. Well, yeah, it's yeah. weekends. Yeah, when someone when someone's pushing what they think and what their life is upon, yeah. you just need the freedom and space to process your own stuff, don't you? Because I think people people do it because they want you to feel better. It's that age old thing of people do it because of their own discomfort. Yeah, they're like, it oh is. yeah, at least that you can lie in on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell! I would do anything to be up all night Saturday night with a baby, and and then have to get yeah. up. And it's just a, everyone's own own agendas that they're kind of pushing on because of their own discomfort. Yeah, but I think it's really interesting. So, what do you think was that you said? Um, you said that you don't struggle with the ugly feelings as much as you mm. used. To. So, what do you think the turning point for that was? Was it the work you've done on yourself? I think it's the work that I've done on myself and obviously doing the PTR courses and the TTC courses when they were thing before the shit. That really helped as well, but I think she just doing- said ship as in warrior ship. Ship, not ship, not yes. S H I P. I really had to think about spelling that as well. Um, <laughs> That's scary, mate. It's four letters. I write reports <laughs> for a living, <laughs> and I think, like I said, finding those people on Instagram and that community outside of it as well, because I think one of the things that I. Sh- struggled with the most particularly towards the end of last year actually probably when we were in Buxton because I said didn't I um so we all went and and met as a a group in Buxton last year and by that point 
I was the only kind of person in our group um, that either wasn't pregnant or didn't didn't have a child. And I was feeling really alienated because you feel like you found your tribe, don't you? And then when they all continue to move on and you're still stuck in the same position, that can be really difficult. And Mm. I'm sure you probably empathise with the feelings of... You feel like you found your tribe, and you feel like you found your like you 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 know other people that have experienced loss. So then, when then they go on to fall pregnant again, and then have have a child. Um, almost feels like a betrayal. It, mm-hmm. it 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 does, which is completely irrational. Um, but I'm sort of like you, Laura, in the sense of I I find being around pregnant people really really difficult. I find anyone's pregnancy difficult. And, but as soon as that child is here and they're in the world, mm. great, have at it. It really, it doesn't bother me anymore. It's, I think it's the, the, the idea of someone else being pregnant and it's so obviously something that I can't do um, for whatever yeah. reason that really rankles almost. I was thinking this when you were talking about um, surrogacy, actually, yeah. when you were talking about um uh, someone else doing the pregnancy bit because yeah. I think I don't know if it's a recurrent loss thing but I think when you go through loss time and time again you don't even really think about the end goal of having yeah. a baby you are you just want to yeah. be bloody pregnant like because it's like why can't I do anything beyond seven flipping weeks well yeah. part part of it is so what the other thing that sits along the endometriosis thing is that I have high natural killer cells um as well but we found out about that before the fifth, well, just, well, we found out about it as I was falling pregnant, but didn't realise I was pregnant. And the prescribed treatment plan for my killer cells was steroids, but the steroids never really stood a chance. Um, I, I started them too late, essentially. Mm. And to this day, we still don't know if steroids would be enough to kind of dampen down my immune system. And the only way to find out is to fall pregnant again. When you go for IVF, will they give you steroids as well? Uh, yes, they should do because um, it, it's part of my treatment plan. And the thing was, my GP was so took so much persuasion to prescribe me them in the first flipping place mm-hmm. um, because she said, "Well, is it, does anybody know?" And I said, "Well, yes, because I've been privately. I've, I went to the. I wasn't. I paid privately to go to the Tommy's clinic. If you see what I mean." Um, and I said, "Well, th- this doctor that's specialising in it." <laughs> It has recommended that this is my treatment plan, so it should be my treatment plan. She said, "Yes, but does anyone like gynecology, like our trust, know?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." I sent a copy of the email, of course, a copy of the letter by email to the nurse contact that I've got there. Adam, and she said, "Oh, well, that's all right then. If you just drop me a copy off as well, and we'll put it in our file for you at the GP surgery. Oh, I'll, I'll send it across to the pharmacy. I was like, shit, better send that email now. <laughs> <laughs> but that, like, you have to play the game sometimes. Totally, it's so frustrating. It's yeah. so, it is so frustrating when you're when you're being told by people at the top of their game that this is what you need, and then you go and see someone who is perhaps more of a more of an overseer, you know, more mm. of a GP kind of role, less yeah. less specialist. Uh huh. And they won't take you seriously. And you're just like, the fuck? I mean, like, I get it because God knows how much they must say. But I was just like, just there's a letter. Like, I'm showing you the letter. Mm. Mm. It's yeah. tough. It takes it out of you, doesn't it, as well, to constantly 
consistently and constantly advocate for yourself when uh-huh. you feel these people have so much experience it's literally what they do mm-hmm. why can't they just take me and hold me and look after yeah. me and, and it's happened for me and why i've learned so much well as the grief yeah and i've learned so much in the past four or five years or whatever that why didn't i know before like i said mm-hmm. earlier about the pill if I'd have known, actually, the implications of taking the pill for so long, which are well known, but are just not told to people when they sign up for it, I would never have started taking it. But I would also have maybe thought, well, actually, really heavy, painful periods is an indicator of something else going wrong, because that's what prompted me to go and get the pill to stop my periods, was I passed out from pain one day. And that was endometriosis, but I just didn't have a clue as a 21-year-old. And the yeah. doctor said, oh, well, we'll we'll put, pop you on the pill and it'll just dampen everything down and it'll make everything better for you. It's not made everything better for me. Thanks yeah, very much. Think, I, think, I think this with kind of um, lots of lots of things with the doctors is that they sort of treat the here and now with what they're mm-hmm. presented with. And that's the only thing they can do. They treat what is, they're currently being presented with with no real kind of bigger picture you know what might be happening in five ten years time that with potentially with some people with antidepressants and and that that kind of immediate Mm -hmm. immediate, like relief of a a pill or a medicine whereas actually there are so many there are so many things out there but you have to fight for it all and it's not I'm not saying that that's the doctor's fault at all because that's their job is literally to work with what they're presented with in the here and now if we just had more education and more knowledge around all these different subjects and topics, then we would at least have the freedom to pursue other avenues. I wish I knew what I know now because of the past few years when I was in my early 20s. And, and that song? I wish, wish that I knew what I know now. When I was young. Yeah, it says the song. Yep. Um, I can't remember where it is either. Um, but I was talking to... Um, Oh, hang on. I'll remember in a minute. I'll well, say. I'll, I'll carry you. you come, it'll come to you. <laughs> I was talking to a, a colleague the other day. Rod Stewart! Oh, yeah. Well done. Yeah, I was not talking to Rod Stewart. He is not my colleague. Although I did see Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> that is, by the way. Um, he's tall, isn't he? Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, he's quite, I mean, I'm quite short. Did so he say fuck? In comparison. No, he did not swear in the two seconds he called you a, a, to walk what, past me. What was it? Okay. A something sandwich? An idiot <laughs> An idiot sandwich. <laughs> well, that well maybe, but that's not the point. Oh, okay. Sorry. Anyhow, I, I was talking to a co- colleague who was not Gordon Ramsay. Um, or Ross Stewart. Or Ross Stewart, or that. Um, or him, even. Um, and, and she's in her 40s now. And um, her and her fiance have been together for years don't have any children she said well if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't sort of thing because I just wasn't ready in my 30s and I kind of said to her that's really interesting because do I wish that we'd maybe started thinking about things earlier like John and I have been together 10 years almost 11 years so do I wish we'd started thinking about children sooner rather than later? Because, you know, I'm 35 next, which tips me over into that lovely bracket of a geriatric pregnancy. And so my mm. stepmom keeps saying to me, pregnancy is very hard, especially on someone like yours body, because I have m- some limited mobility issues and joint issues and stuff. 
but I just wasn't ready. I know I wasn't ready. And there's not an element of me that thinks, oh, God, I wish I'd started sooner just just in case if I'd known that we were going to go yes. through all this. Because I would just, I would not have been ready to have a child any earlier than when we started trying. I think that's an amazing level of self-awareness. And, um, you know, it's incredible that you have the strength of, of character to be able to do that because mm. I don't know that I'd be able to do that in terms of getting to a stage of life when I just think, I wish, why didn't I start this in? I think that's a real genuine lots and lots of women beat themselves up for it. You know, women who've yeah. uh, maybe followed the career path and then got to a stage where they're like, oh, it's actually quite a challenge to fall pregnant now and I've put my career first and they beat themselves up for that. And it's, I think with all of us, we do what we can with what we've got. We do the best that we can with our with our knowledge, with our education, with our belief system that there's no way if we if any one of us go back in time, the chances are we'd make all the same decisions, same mistakes, same same decisions, whether they're good or bad again, because that's who we were at the time. And I think there's so it's such a waste of time to think, oh, I wish I did this because you didn't. And that acceptance of the fact that this is where you are now, but acceptance of this is where you are now, but you can do it differently from now. You can make yeah. different decisions now. You can follow a different path now there's you can restart your narrative at any time, time. yeah exactly time. and I think part of it maybe comes down to the fact of and again stuff that I've been reading maybe the mindset that I'm in at the moment of and I think I maybe posted it on the warriorship someone had posted from the Guardian article years ago like being a woman doesn't equate being a mother mm -hmm. and that's the mm -hmm. whole gender bias society thing so why should I feel like a failure for not being a mother I think that's why it was something it was something along the lines of not a failure I'm a survivor but, but also being a family yeah. doesn't mean I mean you've got a van and a dog yeah Vincent Vincent the van Vincent van Gogh <laughs> brilliant oh nice great <laughs> that is a good one Oh, do the dog, Cyril the Fist. Cyril the Fist, Vincent, I like alliteration, what can I say? I mean, my initials are alliteration for, I mean, not that, obviously, Rebecca, not Becky. But, yeah. yeah, RR wouldn't have the same ring no, to it. RR, 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 what were you saying? I don't know. Yes. I've got. You don't it. have to have a baby to be a woman. No, no. You don't have to have don't. a baby to be a woman. And also, I really think it's time that we we reconstruct what a family narrative is. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm um I'm I'm no longer married, and I find it really difficult when I just find it difficult seeing in every yeah. in every photo that you have of of whatever there's like a man and and a woman or you know a couple yeah. and. Their, their child for example and like as most of you listening know I do have children but you know that doesn't it doesn't mean that I'm not we're not a family anymore because I don't have a, a a partner and and I I hate this kind of such a typical vision of what a family looks like because mm -hmm. actually a family, what is family family is spending your time with the people that you really love right your fa friends you too yeah not at all and we need to start uh, you know deconstructing these ideologies yeah. about what things should sure, be sure. because 
No, I'm with her. No, I'm you... with her. But when, I'm, um, I'm gonna oh, I'm with her. Now. I was just, just saying she's off on off on a passionate rant. But the thing she's is, like, she's preparing <laughs> to find the lift music. <laughs> <laughs> she um, quite often. John and I will sit on the sofa and Brody's asleep on like either one of our legs, and John goes, "I really like this time with our little pack." We've started calling ourselves a pack rather than family, no. which I think is quite sweet. Maybe it's a dog thing. But you, you're right, Bex. Like your family really is the people that you choose rather than your yeah. blood relatives. Um, I think there's a difference between relatives and family. Huge, huge difference. Yeah, and your absolutely. church, like if you belong to a church, like community groups, quite often become like a family. Like your church group, if you belong to a church is often called your church family. And uh, I don't know if you know, but I do CrossFit. Oh, do you? Hasn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. And but my, like, we call it the CrossFit family. Like, to such a degree that I have had just, I'm just hopefully coming out of the back of a really, really difficult period of my life. And my CrossFit coach texted me the other day and she was like, do you need me to come and get you? Do I'm going to frog march you back down to the gym do you need me to come and get you? And I'm like, that's fucking, that's family. That's yeah. family right there is people that have your back, that see you at your worst. Mm-hmm. And no, what is that? If you don't want me at my worst, you don't deserve, you deserve to get my, my best. best. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you at your worst. And yeah. <laughs> that's going to be a clip and on it's Instagram, isn't it? Like, it's not family. It's not just for the fucking sunshine. Family are for the shitty, horrible storms. And they're the ones that hold the umbrella over you and go, do you know what? Yes, it is shit at the moment, but it will get easier and it will get better. And I'm here for you throughout. Oh, they sit family. in the rain with you. Either or. Yeah, yeah, they sit in the rain with you. They sit in the trenches with you. They bring a candle and some decent snacks. Oh, I told her the candle. Found- Thank you. And look at oh Becky, I can't believe that was days ago that you asked me to remind you. I was just to remind you about that. Well, Consider yourself know. reminded. Thanks. <laughs> well, Becky, um, obviously you will keep us posted with what goes on because we chat most days. Yeah. But um, I'm really pleased that you're in a better place in a better mindset. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm really pleased that you found us. Becky, Becky came on our first ever course i think you were even the first person to sign up for the pathway to recovery and it's just been so wonderful to get to know you and like really have you as part of the gang and um yeah i know that you you help so many people with your story and you've been so brave in kind of sharing so much of it on such a such a sort of personal level so thank you for everything Mm -hmm. that you do for me and laura to support us but as well to support other me i like it's very we we say it a lot and i know you don't like it but it is it is a privilege for those of us that help you behind the scenes to help you so thanks no we couldn't do it without you guys Mm -hmm. we absolutely couldn't Alrighty, well we shall um chat to you for the day is (laughs) yeah See you later, Becky. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. 
Listen wherever you get your podcasts.